0: person next to you, what would you decide your, <clears throat> your last meal on death row would be? If you're on death more, row and you knew last meal, you could request anything to perfection, what would it be? All right, I need to hear some. I need to hear some. <laughs> Yells, what would you choose? What do you want? A steak dinner? Medium rare? Rare? Is, do you like medium rare? All right, we want a medium rare steak for Madison. What about, what about over here? Yeah, Sarah. Sushi. Come on. Yeah, Jessica. A fil- Filipino dish? Batset? Panset? calamansi what does it taste like what is it similar to noodles noodles and lime count me in come on okay we got two more nikki las vegas pave las vegas buffet. i've never had one okay yes mason reese's puffs reese's puffs. Eat them up, eat them up, eat them up. okay that was my that was my generation was reese's puffs. reese's puffs uh, butter chocolate flavor. Did you have that? Yeah, it was like different. Commar- I know. Eat them up. Eat them up. Mine was peanut butter chocolate flavor. Well, here we are reading a passage today in scripture. Oh, mine. That's a good question, Emma, roommate from college in the back. Um, uh, I would choose. I would choose. Probably just like a lot of things with dairy and stuff because I don't eat dairy, so it'd be like ice cream and cheese, Gruyere. I'd have Gruyere galore. Um, We are reading a passage in scripture today of a guy named Paul, and Paul was in prison, and he has a request, like a request of his friends. He's like, If you can do this one thing for me, I have a request. And we're going to read about that request, which might differ greatly from the request of a meal, right? Like, we are so uh, finite. We look so much in front of us. If we were on death row you we were like, I could have one last thing knowing I'd die tomorrow. Maybe you would choose the best meal ever. But instead, Paul has his eyes on eternity and he asks for something different of his friends. And so we are in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. If you need to look in your table of contents, it's one of the first few pages. But if you wanted to like thumb through and find it, you might see that it's towards the, Last, maybe like 10th of the Bible, I remember the acronym God Eats Popcorn, G-E-P-C, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, God Eats Popcorn. So if I hit one of those, I know I'm near it. E is for Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8 And today we are talking about how we are the body. We are the body of Christ. We are unified in the body of Christ. That is part of our identity, is we are interwoven with others. So we are reading here from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 8, and I'll read it fully here, and then we'll take it piece by piece. It says, I, this is Paul writing. He's a prisoner. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. He's imprisoned for his faith. A prisoner for the Lord. Urge you, this is his request. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascends on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Pray with me here as I ask for God to read, to add the blessing to the reading of his word. Lord, thank you so much that you've given us scripture to dive into, to cultivate a heart of unity among other believers. Lord, would we be challenged this morning? And would we also be comforted by the community we are surrounded in? in your name we pray, amen. Speaking of community, will you guys give it up for Jade here? Woo! It's fun. It's fun to do it all. To be able to be in HSM and also pop over to main service and celebrate with our entire church. There's a reason we don't baptize just in HSM. It's because we actually believe that there is a place uh, for a student in main service to declare their faith. And in fact, even Jade had family and friends who were there and wanted to witness her baptism. So we baptize any student or kid in main service to declare that is the entire church community that holds us accountable and that cares for us when it comes to our faith. But so fun to have you here, Jade. Well, we are looking at Paul's request, his one request from his friends. He's writing to the Ephesians and he's saying, here's what I want. I'm in prison and here's all I want. It says this in verse one, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, this is what he wants, to walk humbly, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He wants the believers, the Christ followers, to live up to their profession of faith. If they say that Jesus Christ has died for their sins and that they have new life in him, he's saying live up to that call. Live up to that profession of faith. Actually walk in a manner worthy of that. I'd, I'd compare it similarly to if any of you are athletes and you take your sport really seriously and it's part of who you are maybe you play volleyball or soccer or you row or you jump over bars or you run really fast, all the things, if in the off season you weren't training and you're like, yeah, I don't really care about it right now, like I guess I might be not that good in once season comes around, I don't really care. It's not that important to me. I'd be like, hmm, I wonder how serious they are about what they do. How much of it is really all that important to them? Maybe even think about like a barista, someone who uh, makes coffee. Is Cassidy in here? I think she's leading worship in middle school. But Cassidy was a barista this summer and made coffee for people at Bogarts. And if she was really, if she treated her coworkers really poorly, I'd wonder, is she all that good of a barista? Because there's something about people who make coffee who are really good at the relational touch points when a customer comes in. But if she only put that face on for the customers and she treated her coworkers really poorly, I'd wonder—I don't know if she's really a barista. Like, is that much of who she is? Or maybe even thinking about like someone who has a profession, like uh, like a, a nurse. So I think of Eliana Bender. She's a nurse, an ER nurse. She has some crazy stories. She's one of our HSM leaders. And if on retreats, if if someone got hurt and Eliana was like. Eh, I don't really want to help them. Like, I don't know really what I'm doing. I'd be like, what? No, Eliana, you're like a nurse, not just in the hospital. We need help, like, binding up this person's wounds. In the same way, when we're not at church, when we're not maybe even with all these other believers, if you didn't act in a manner worthy of your profession of faith, people would wonder, is it really all that much a part of their life? And if in fact our belief in Jesus Christ, God, is the source of all of our life, not just an identity marker or something that defines us like a job or a sport or maybe an academic subject you're really good at or even your family, if it's supposed to be the core identity that we are a child of God, then how much more is it important to walk in a manner worthy of that calling of that profession of faith? And so this is, this is Paul saying, do this and do this well. And, and what this means is if you've professed that Jesus Christ has died for your sin, you're saying, I am loved. Do you walk around like you are loved? Or do you walk around at school and in your family, even at church, saying, I need love. I don't know where I ha- I need love. I'm lacking. Give, give, give. I'm going to take, take, take. Or do you walk around saying, no, I'm loved. That's my core identity. Jesus has died for my sins, that is who I am. I am loved. That kind of walk looks a lot differently. Suddenly you start saying, oh, I have something to give. And I'm gonna, off- I'm gonna actually accept your offers of love in a different way, I don't need them, but I'll take them, because they're beautiful. That looks like a very different type of walk. And so this is what Paul is saying is, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, the profession of faith that you are loved. How we live out our identity as loved has implications not just on ourselves, but on the people around us who are part of the family of God. So this past like four weeks, we've been talking about how we are adopted into the family of God. We are justified by faith. We are, we, are, um, we are made holy because of his works. These are things about us. Today we are talking about how we are the body, which has implications beyond just ourselves. And so here we are striving for unity. And this is what we're going to come up against into these next couple of verses. And so underneath your chairs, you have a little notes-taking page that you can grab underneath your chair, and you can follow along there. There's even some slides up front. Verse two: "Unity How to," is this, is this title. "Unity, How to." It says this in verse two. "With all humility, this is how to be unified with the body of Christ, to walk like you're loved, with all humility and gentleness." with patience, bearing one another in love. This is with your Christian friends, people who know believer, who know Jesus. This is how you are to act unified. You act humbly, with gentleness, meaning you are going to give before you ask to take. You are going to serve before you put yourself number one. Humility and gentleness looks like soft, tender ways of walking into a door and saying, instead of saying, where's my friends and how do, I, how do I be seen and known, you look around and you say, who needs to be seen? Who needs to be known in this room? I had a student come up to me the other week and she said, I walk in, I I, I grab a seat next to all my friends and for the first time I walked in late, about 15 minutes late, and I noticed there was someone sitting alone and so I sat next to that person. And she said, can I walk in late for a few weeks and see what that would do, see what kind of community that would bring. That student is walking in knowing her identity as loved already. She is humble and gentle in the way she says you know, instead of me finding all my friends and keeping myself close, I'm going to say, who needs, who needs me? There might be someone around here who needs you, who needs companionship, who needs the invite into the group of friends you love so dearly. That's humility and gentleness. Patience looks like you pumping the brakes on what you think is best. Patience looks like long-suffering. Patience looks like you sitting with your reality of where you're at right now as a high schooler, where all you want to do is decide for yourself when to hang out with who and what to do with your life and when to to do homework and when to not do homework. All you want to do is have autonomy over your life. Right now, what it looks like as a high schooler to be patient is long-suffering saying, you know what, I don't know what is best and I don't want this right now. You might not want this. You might want your license. You might want to get out of the house. You might want to decide for yourself where to live and who to be with. But right now, patience in the family of God looks like long-suffering, saying, you know what, I'm going to submit to authority here. And then bearing one another in love. This looks like looking next to the person next to you who's probably made you pretty annoyed at some point, whether it's because a sibling or a friend, Siblings sitting next to each other are like, yes. Pairing one another in love looks like holding on to that burden of we are imperfect. Still we love Jesus, but we don't have it all together. And we're going to annoy each other. And we're going to be mean to each other. And and we're going to get it wrong sometimes. We're going to try to love each other. And and we're going to fail in epic ways. And we're learning. And it's saying, you know what? I'm going to bear that with each other in love. I'm going to actually act in forgiveness. I'm going to ask how can I do better next time. I'm going to offer up forgiveness and even extend it as well. So that is how to unify. And I hear all those things and you're like, that sounds great, Phoebe. Alright, let's do it. Charge. Let's go hard. Let's, let's be humble and gentle and patient and bear one another in love. Oh my gosh, that sounds great. That sounds utopian. That sounds awesome. Well, I can be pretty motivating, and you can maybe hold that up for about two hours until you get home to your sibling that you're sitting next to or your friend that you go to school with, and they annoy the heck out of you, and then ugh, we're back to ground zero. Dang it, it, didn't work. That's because it's not possible in your own strength to do any of those things. It is only possible to love like Jesus loved, which was humble, gentle, patient, and, and bore us on the cross, our sins on the cross. And we can only love one another to that depth when our source is him, when he is the one who's working in us, when we are dependent on him for the refinement and renewal of our character. John 15, 5 says that I am the vine, you're the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. You can do nothing apart from me, absolutely nothing apart from me. It is not possible in your own strength to do this. It is only possible to do this through the Spirit. So our source of unity is the Spirit. And it says that in verse 3. It says this, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. This is how we gain unity is through the Spirit in the bond of peace, which is a marker of the Spirit in you. If you walk around peaceful, that is a fruit of the Spirit, evidence that God is working in you. And finally, what do we see? How do we know that there is unity in the body of Christ? You might look around and say, there's so many Christians who are just opposed to one another. There's so many different denominations. Two summers, or a little bit ago, maybe a year ago, we talked about all these different denominations, how there's literally thousands of them which all disagree on little parts of the Christian faith. How is there unity of the body? Have we gotten it wrong? To that, I'd say, I feel like Paul actually boils it down to the essentials. How do we have unity in the body of Christ? He says it in these verses. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The evidence that there is unity in the body of Christ's believers is that there is one body meaning this body functions together. There are different parts of the body. I even look in HSM and I see different strengths of ours. And this body works together. Not everyone is a pinky fingernail. If everyone was a pinky fingernail, it would just be a pinky fingernail. And then it wouldn't be a body. It would literally just be a pinky fingernail. And so we're, we're looking at different parts of the body, different strengths, different loves, different desires, different hopes out of your life, and so we have one body, and this one body is centered on the heart, like the center part of the body is the heart, the thing that's keeping it alive, which is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, I didn't do too much research, although it would have been like me to do that. I don't think that there is someone who has successfully survived with two hearts in them. There's always like fluke cases, but we do not have two hearts because it would be way too powerful. Our heart pumps blood all the way down to your big toe. That is how powerful it is. Meaning there can only be one heart of the body of Christ. That is Jesus Christ. Which means the heart heart of, of the body of Christ isn't worship. It isn't prayer. Whoa, crazy. It isn't scripture. It isn't community. The heart, the heartbeat, the strength of the body of Christ, the thing that keeps the body of Christ alive is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who we experience through prayer and worship, who we hear through scripture. But these are means to the grace, the, the presence of God to experience Jesus Christ. So we have one body. We have one spirit that dwells within all of us. If you've said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, and that's not a unique little like Pixar character of like the my Holy Spirit versus yours. No, no, no. We have the same Holy Spirit in us. The same exact Holy Spirit dwells within you and me. Dwells within you and your parents, dwells within you and your grandparents, dwells within you and your peer at school you didn't know was a Christian, but has just accepted Christ. That same Holy Spirit dwells within us all. One hope that calls us to the same eternity, this is our hope for heaven. We won't all end up on different planets. Nope, that's not what we hope for. We actually hope in one heaven, a new heaven and a new earth, where we will explore it We will get to experience it with with the entire body of Christ and with Christ at the center. But this is our one hope. We have the same hope. We have one Lord that we all submit to. Oftentimes we find that we submit to the word of God because the Lord is communicated through the word of God. We submit to him. We have one faith that saves us. Jade's faith that saved her is the same faith that saved her Aunt Aldrina. It's the same exact faith. It is the faith that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for their sins and that they do nothing for salvation other than say yes to Jesus. I accept life with you. And then one baptism that declares our faith, like I said, it's the same thing. It's not very fancy. You just dunk them. It's one baptism. One baptism. You can do this anywhere in the world, including California in the middle of a drought. One baptism that unites us all and one God and Father of all, that is over, through, and in, meaning meaning one God and Father of all is our source of life. We are all attached to Christ and the Father and the Spirit, the Trinity, the one God. And grace was uniquely given to each of us with different types of gifts and strengths. And here's where I'm going to end. It says this in verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore it says, and this is a prophecy of what Jesus Christ would give us, it says when he ascended on high, when he ascended into heaven, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. There are gifts that have been given to each of you. There are loves that you have that are unique. There are ways that you have been raised in your family that are so helpful in community. Ways that we, we actually as a community here at Arbor Road need those gifts I wanted to shout out some and I just, I could have probably written something about each of you, um, but I wanted to shout out some that I just feel like are glaringly obvious. Um, Rebecca has compassion for new students. Brayton and Zach and Kristen back there today have humble servanthood in the tech booth. You don't know they're back there until they make a mistake. That sucks, but they do it. It's incredible. Kristen and Emma and Morgan hear God's voice. Allie has a heart for evangelism at public schools, one of the hardest ones being Lakewood. Jordan and Penelope have hospitality in their cooking, making us pancakes often. Shannon has encouragement to peers and leaders. She has a gift of encouragement. Yeva has the gift of giving giving gifts as a reminder of companionship. Mason and Mia have a gift of teaching in all wisdom. Madison Roscoe has the gift of remembering names and birthdays to remind them that they are known. Guys, there are gifts here. I mean, remembering birthdays feels like, what, that's so silly, that's so significant. I hate birthdays, I don't remember them. I need her. We need help hearing God's voice. Isn't it amazing when someone can hear God's voice and they speak that over you? Gosh, we need help. Some of us suck in the kitchen. We're so bad at cooking. But it's so fun to share a meal together. We need these gifts. What is a gift that you've been given that maybe you could share with us? And maybe even your gift is receiving the gifts of others and holding that with them. You know, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be much of a community if Yeva made someone a bracelet to remind them of that Jesus Christ is there for them. And they were like, actually, I don't want that. I actually feel bad. Neva gave me a bracelet that says Christ on it and it's sitting beside my bed. It's a reminder. But I don't wear it every day, so I publicly apologize because we need to actually accept these gifts of one another. Enter into community. Is someone offering you companionship and you're holding them at arm's length out of a fear of being known? Would you dare to be brought in? Would you dare to enter into this community? On the back of your uh, card, there is a thing, just prayer request. And I have that space for you to write something down that maybe you share with someone else. Maybe you text someone, hey, I would love prayer for this. And this is, this is an invitation for a friend or a leader to offer you something, to offer you prayer, to bring unity in the body of Christ by uniting one another with things that we're suffering through or things we want to celebrate. And so write something down, and my encouragement is that by writing something down, it might even just be in the back of your head, you know, maybe I could type that out and text it to someone, or maybe I could hand it to them before they leave HSM today. And would we be people that enter into prayer with one another? I'm going to pray for us here as we respond in worship, so I'm going to invite our worship team back up and pray for us. Would you guys stand with me, unless you're still writing, then you can continue writing and stand when you're ready to worship. I'll pray for us now. Lord, thank you so much that you have given us unity within this body of Christ. That we are just one tiny pinky fingernail in the entire global body of Christ here at Arbor Road. And we're even smaller little little piece here in HSM. But Lord, I just ask that as these students walk through high school, some of the most pivotal years in their faith, and some of the most frustrating years with friends and family. mentors. Lord, I just ask that you would use this time to unify, to give them vision for how beautiful it is to be patient, to be humble, to be gentle, to bear one another in love. But Lord, would they know that they cannot do any of those things on their own? That it is only by you, by leaning on you for strength, and by depending on you for life, God that we are capable of any love that could look at all like yours. God, would you give us that vision this week, and would we enter into the unified body of Christ? In your name we pray. Amen.